In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. There's a really beautiful book of the Old Testament. It's, uh, I'm sure you've heard of it. It's the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel. Daniel writes his book in Babylon while the Israelites are, have been captured and taken over to Babylon and they're living there. <clears throat> He's among those that are living there in Babylon. And he interprets a dream for Nebuchadnezzar, who has a dream and nobody's able to interpret it. Daniel is able to interpret it. The dream is of a series, it's of a gigantic figure who the different parts of his body correspond to different types of metals. So the head is made of gold, the kind of upper chest area is made of silver, the, the belly and the, the thighs are made of bronze, and then the, the legs and the feet are made of iron and clay. And Daniel makes the interpretation, and he says, these are four kingdoms that are going to come one after another in succession. These are four kingdoms that are ruling over Israel. Israel was not its own kingdom. It was ruled by Gentile kingdoms since they were taken by Babylon. So the gold is Babylon, the empire of Babylon. And then the silver is the Persian empire, and then the bronze is the Greek empire, and then the iron and the clay, this is the Roman empire. And in the time of the fourth kingdom, a fifth kingdom will come. That kingdom will be a, like a little pebble, but it will be a heavenly kingdom. It'll be the kingdom of God, and it will come and it will crush all the other kingdoms. And that kingdom will be led by a heavenly figure. And the heavenly figure is the son of man, one like a son of man. This is all in the book of Daniel. And it's a beautiful prophecy. You should read the book of Daniel. It's a beautiful prophecy because it happens exactly as it is stated. In the time of the fourth kingdom, that is the Roman Empire, in the time of the fourth kingdom, a little tiny pebble comes, and it is the fifth kingdom, the kingdom of God is practically invisible. And it comes and it crushes all the other kingdom and kingdoms and becomes a worldwide kingdom, a kingdom that will have no end. And it will be led by a heavenly finger, a figure, the Son of Man. This is why Jesus so often in the Gospels actually more so than any other title that he gives himself, the one that he gives himself the most is the Son of Man. And when he's being tried at the Sanhedrin right before his passion and crucifixion, ultimately his crucifixion, the high, priests, the high priest asks Jesus, are you the Messiah, he who is to come? And Jesus says, you have said so. The Son of Man will come riding on the clouds of heaven. This is a direct quote from the book of Daniel because Jesus considers himself this figure from the book of Daniel, the one that will come and with him the kingdom of God, which is the smallest of all the kingdoms, practically invisible, like a little pebble, but it'll come and crush all the other kingdoms. That's indeed what happened. I mean, just historically speaking, Rome was the fourth empire prophesied by Daniel, and within the Roman Empire, in the time of the Roman Empire, Christianity blew up. And in fact, 
obviously not coincidence, the major seat, the kind of um, head place of the, of the Church of Christ just happens to be in Rome with the papacy. In the gospel reading today, Jesus reflects this. What is the kingdom of God? So he gives parable after parable to kind of explain what is the kingdom of God. It's very hard to explain what the kingdom of God is. It's mentioned so many times in scripture. Jesus says it himself. He mentions the kingdom of God. Personally, he mentions it 99 times alone. That's besides other times where just the narrator is saying it or some of the apostles or somebody else is saying it. Jesus says kingdom of God just in the gospels 99 times just by himself. And he says it in so many different ways, it's hard to land exactly what it means. And scholars have been talking, have been trying to figure out what really is the kingdom of God. They've been trying to figure that out since Jesus spoke it. Essentially though, the kingdom of God is, in Greek it's basileia, melkutha dalaha. The word melkutha, the word basileia in Greek, these words are action words, they're verbs. They're not nouns. A noun is a thing, a verb is an action. The kingdom of God is God's rulership, God's divine law being lived out. The kingdom of God is wherever somebody is doing the will of God, has God as their master and looks to God as their, as their creator and as their Lord and then seeks to do his will. That is where the kingdom of God is. And obviously, this is centered, concentrated, in the very person of Jesus Christ. He who, at the Garden of Gethsemane, said, not my will, but your will be done. And then he took himself in obedience to God up to the cross where he, was, where he gave himself over for the salvation of the world. Wherever any of us, in our hearts, in our actions, in our words, in our relationships, in our dealings with one another, wherever any of us are doing the will of God out of love for God and in imitation of Christ, the kingdom of God dwells within us. It's why Jesus says, the kingdom of God is within you. But Jesus speaks about the kingdom of God in a couple weird ways today. In the opening parable, he speaks about the kingdom of God as a vineyard. And there's a man who owns a vineyard, a master who owns a vineyard, and he plants, he sows good seed in his field. But while his servants, while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat just to disturb the field. And then his servants realize it, and they, they go and they tell the master, well, we thought you planted good seeds. What happened? I mean, we've got all, this, all these bushes coming up, these weeds. And the master says, well, an enemy has done this. And they say, okay, fine, do you want us to pull them out? And he says, no, don't do that, because if you do that, you might pull out the good stuff with the bad stuff. We don't want to pull out any good stuff. Let them grow together. Jesus says, this is like the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to interpret the parable for his disciples when he's alone with them. And he says, each thing is corresponding to something. The one that sows a good seed is the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. The seed is, the seeds are, the children of God, the sons of the kingdom. 
The weeds are the sons of the evil one. The enemy is the devil who sows the, the bad seed. And then he says, at harvest time, when they both grow up together, at harvest time, at the close of the age, at the end of time, on judgment day, the Son of Man will send his angels that will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers and throw them into the furnace of fire where men will weep and gnash their teeth. And the sons, the righteous, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. This is beautiful. This is a really beautiful eschatological image. Eschatology is a study of the end times. Jesus is speaking about the end of the world. He's speaking about the end times. What will the end times be like? He says it over here. In other parts, he says, I will separate the sheep and the wolves from one another. I will, I will separate all these things, okay? The good from the evil. And the evil will go to the furnace of fire, and the, the good will shine in the kingdom like the sun. Do we still believe that? Do we still believe that we're going to be judged by God? Do we still believe that everything that happens in the world and everything that we do, everything that is done to us, will one day be accounted for by God and that it will determine the rest of eternity for us. Do we still believe that? Well, sometimes it's hard to believe it because you've got very powerful empires at work and it seems like all the power in the world is concentrated in these really powerful empires like certain aspects of the government of the United States or certain other powers of the world or certain things that are going on in, let's say, corporations or other parts of this world's normal day-to-day -day existence. It seems like all these other things are reality. That reality is dictated by the power structures and the social structures of this world. And that everything that Jesus is talking about here is just a fantasy end of the world, last judgment, angels coming and separating the weeds from the wheat and weeds being thrown into the furnace of fire and weeds shining like the sun and all these things. This is just mythology. What's real? Real is the corporate world which makes billions and billions of dollars. Real is the power of the government to dictate the lives of its citizens. Real is the wars and peace. Real is the military. These things are real. But all this mythology about the end of the world, this is just fantasy, it's kids play. This is the normal way that we think today. Daniel did not think that way. Daniel, the prophet, understood. The kingdom of God is like a pebble. The kingdom of God is very small. In fact, it's invisible. And it will crush all of the other kingdoms. And it will do that even in an invisible way. You see, the Catholic Church Christianity grew faster than any other religion in the world. And it did so underground. It was completely invisible. This is because that pebble, which is the kingdom of God, is love, mercy being inserted into the world. It is God being revealed in the world. It is the rulership of God being taken up by small people very invisibly in the corners and dark places of the earth 
and then bringing light into the world in those dark corners. That's why, brothers and sisters, it's essential for every one of us Christians to do the will of God, whether or not we feel like it's going to be effective. When what seems like the most effective thing is raise money and political activism, when these things feel like they're the most, that they're the most effective things in the world, we have to remember what really changes the world. What has changed the world? Jesus Christ dying on a cross like a common criminal. What has changed the world? Saint Ignatius of Antioch being chewed up by lions because he witnessed to the resurrection of Jesus. What is changing the world? It is Christians in the early centuries of the church in the Roman Empire picking up babies from the side of the street because Romans were throwing them away because they didn't, have want, they didn't want to have more kids. What is changing the world? What has changed the world? It's not Christianity didn't come into power. It's not that Jesus took on an earthly kingdom. It's not power structures in the worldly way. It is the pebble of the kingdom of God, which is the very act of love being inserted into the earth. And you and I, brothers and sisters, we will be judged. And we will be judged for how we behave according to what God has determined is our day-to-day life. We often think it is the big power structures, it is the big social structures. If, if people speak of me well, then I'm good. I tell people all the time, especially, for example, married couples. This is the most, exo- the most obvious example of this. I tell married couples, you're going to be judged for how you relate to your spouse. Husbands will be judged by how they treat their wives. Wives will be judged by how they treat their husbands. No one is going to be judged by what the community says about you. You will be judged by how you treat the ones that God gave to you to serve. When I say that to men, they say, I'm going to hell, Father. (laughs) (laughs) But your wife or your husband, this is your ticket to heaven. The people that you are called to serve, this is your ticket to heaven. It is in the small way. It is in the invisible way. It is in the quiet and silent way by serving those whom, who need you and serving those whom no one is going to see that you're serving. By doing small things with great love, this is salvation. This is the small pebble that crushes all the kingdoms of the earth. This is the way that Christ did it. This is the way that the saints do it. This is the way that we are called to do it. This is the way the kingdom of God is like a leaven which leavens the whole bunch. This is the way the kingdom of God lives in this world. Amen.